Welcome to the podcast of Life Change Church, where we exist to love people to life change. We hope that this podcast is both challenging and encouraging to you. Enjoy the message. Titled The Big Ask, and uh, I'm looking at that video and thinking that Caleb had a big ask because he didn't look at the road once when he was driving his car, and that car wasn't his, so he had to ask somebody to borrow that. Let's just say he's probably not going to get permission again to ever drive that Jeep, right? But hey, we are. We're jumping into this, and uh, we're going to spend some time over the next three weeks really talking about some, some big questions that, that we ask as followers of Christ, and not necessarily questions we ask of ourselves, but the questions that we ask others, questions that we can ask them that can really impact their lives. But as we jump in, let's just think about this. How many of you have ever asked a big question before, like to somebody else? Like that kind of question that, yeah, you mustered up some courage. It took some, it took some courage to ask. Like for me, it goes all the way back to sixth grade. And we had the, the question of written on, written on a piece of paper that says check yes or no, right? That's the big ask. And I remember in sixth grade, I did this. It's the first time I ever asked a girl to go out with me. It didn't go well. So it made the question a little bit harder later in life. So I remember it took, it was the, the last day of the school year. Listen, it took me that long to get enough courage to ask somebody this. So I get, I wrote the letter and I sent it across the room and I watched in response and there was just laughter, right? So I'm like, uh-oh. And she looked at me and laughed. So I'm thinking like, she thinks this is a joke or she thinks I'm a joke. I don't know, but I'm going to laugh too. And we're just going to play along with this, right? So it didn't go well. It made that question, it made the, the, the thought of asking a big question even scarier in life. And the truth is we've all, we've all asked some big questions, right? It could be something from sixth grade or your biggest question could be the fact that you're sitting next to someone right now and, and you asked them to go on a first date one time, right? It could be the, the fact that you asked somebody to help you with the project and that was the big question that, that led to you finding your passion, you finding your career and jumping into that. For you, maybe the, the big question was, was asking a parent or, or a family member or somebody close to you to teach you how to drive when you were 16 so, so you could experience some freedom. Maybe you, maybe your big question was an engagement question. Right? For me, probably one of the biggest questions I've, I've ever asked was asking my wife Sarah to marry me. And I remember that day like it was yesterday. Yes, let's go. Oh, right? Right? I remember like it was yesterday. And I played, I did a little bit of the old school game. So I actually asked her parents before I asked her. And I have no clue why they said yes. Because this was back in like 2007. This was during the, the recession and the, the crash of the market at this time. And I actually did not have a job when I asked her parents if she would marry me. And she did not have a job as well. So why they said yes, they're probably like, Dude, just get her out of the house. We can figure it out. They can go somewhere, right? But I asked them. And then it came to the asking Sarah the big question. And for me, I was nervous about this. I was thinking she was going to say yes. But we actually, we dated for just like six months before we were engaged, right? We were like 26 years old or whatever. At that time, you just kind of knew when you know. So I'm like, dude, why delay this? Let's just do it. So six months later, I'm like, I'm going to ask her. Let's just hope she says yes. At this time, though, again, we're in the Great Recession. I had no job. She had no job. And I had a duplex that I owned. And during this time, my renters, which was the, actually the only income coming in was my renters, they decided to move out. So I'm like, here I am, use some of my savings to pay for the engagement ring. And then my renters move out. And I figured, what could I do with the rest of my savings since I don't have any money coming in? I'll turn it back into a single unit and I'll renovate this place, right? So Sarah was doing that with me. And uh, we were working day in, day out. She would come over and then she would go home. And one night before, after she went home, I'm like, you know what? Tomorrow's the day. 
What I'm going to do is I'm going to stay up a little bit later and I'm going to, I'm going to paint on this wall because we're going to paint this wall a little bit later, but I'm going to paint on this wall with giant letters, Sarah Beth, will you marry me? Right? Super sweet. I had a great plan. I'm like, I'm going to be the greatest husband. I'm going to be the greatest fiance. I am the greatest boyfriend right now. It's going to be amazing. So she went home. I wrote on the wall, stepped back, looked at it like all proud, like thinking like, dude, I am awesome. I got this. This is going to be great. She's totally going to say yes. How would she say no to this? Look back at it. Turns out I spelled her name wrong. <laughs> See, she has an H in, in her name, Sarah. And as you can tell, the H is a little bit squeezed in there. I forgot the H. Right? So I'm thinking, like, well, this isn't going well, but we'll keep rolling. And so I figured I squeezed it in there. I'm like, maybe she won't notice. She's still going to say yes. Let's hope, right? So then I get there, and then she comes over in the morning, and I have it all set up. She walks back, and I get down on one knee. I ask her, and she said yes. Amazing, right? So even though I messed that up, she still said yes. And then she already said yes, and then it found out that I ruined her favorite paintbrush because I forgot to clean it the night before. So she was mad, but I said, you already said yes. There's no take-backs. We're good, right? So... But listen, I messed some of those questions. I messed some of that up, but she still said yes. The result was still good. And of course, you know, I just did this because I'm like, Dude, we'll just keep this and it will totally be something we can, we can have as a memory from now on out. So like, it was, it was really more romantic that I ruined her paintbrush instead. But really what we do is I think sometimes we can, we, we get so scared about a question, but the truth is we can ask a question and we can make mistakes in that question and still get good results. And the same is true. The same is true in our spiritual lives. Listen, there's questions that we ask that can change our lives and that can change others' lives. Like when I asked Sarah to marry me, it changed my life. Right? When I asked Sarah to marry me, it changed her life too, right? And in our spiritual lives, in our spiritual lives, there's big questions that we ask that can impact the lives of others. It can make a difference. So that's what we're going to be doing over the next three weeks. We're going to jump in and we're going to talk about some questions that we can ask that can impact others. And we're going to spend the next three weeks talking about Outreach and evangelism. Now, for you, maybe you hear those words and maybe those are some scary words. You hear the word outreach, you're thinking like, dude, how am I going to outreach? How am I going to reach out to anybody? Like, I don't have much to offer. That's outside of my wheelhouse. I'm good with that. That's for somebody else. That's for other Christians. That's for other followers of Christ. That's for other churchgoers, right? Then you hear the word evangelism and it's instant panic. It's like instant throw up in your mouth, like thinking like, dude, I have to ask somebody like, I have to bring a track to somebody. Like, I'll just, I'll leave it in the urinal because that's how good evangelism is, right? No, right? For us, many, I think, we get scared of outreach and evangelism. For many of us, it's a big ask. But here's what I want you to understand. Here's what I want you to understand about these things. These, these questions, these big questions that we ask. We can ask them the wrong way, and we can still get good results. Because God plays a huge role in those questions. In fact, he only asks us to do two things. When it comes to the big ask, when it comes to those questions, when it comes to outreach and evangelism, he only really asks us to do two things. We're called to invite and invest. We're called to invite and invest. In fact, that's it. Right? This is really what this whole series is about. And really, this is the, the Great Commission boiled down into a nutshell. So if you have your Bibles, go with me to Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. Again, if you don't have a Bible, we always challenge you to download the Version Bible app. Just an incredible resource to take with you wherever you go. But in this passage of Scripture, it's a, it's a famous passage of Scripture known as the Great Commission. And in this passage of Scripture, Jesus had already died on the cross. 
He had conquered death and he had come back to spend some time with his disciples, sharing with them and giving them some, some last instructions on, on how to proclaim the good news, on how to continue his ministry on and on. And he's really sharing with us as well. And he did this before he ascended into heaven. And he said this here. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end. He's saying, go into all nations. Go and invite. Invite people into a relationship with me. Invite others and share with them what I am and who I've, and what I've done, right? Jesus is saying, go and invite. And then he's saying, invest. Make disciples. Listen, when we make a disciple, what we're doing is we're spending time with them. It's a, it's a true investment. It's doing life with them. It's walking through situations and guiding others back to truth, just like somebody has probably done with us at some point. He's saying, go and invite and invest. And listen, it's what we're all called to do. If we call ourselves a follower of Christ, this is our calling. It's to go invite and invest. As individuals, this is our calling. As a church, this is our calling. And so I often get asked the question, hey, what's next for Life Church? Where, where are we going next? Like, is it another service? Is it, is it going to be a building project we're going to add on? Is it going to be another campus? Is it, is it going to be a, a church plant? Are we going to launch another church? And the answer is yes, right? The answer is yes, because we're called. We're called to go into all the nations. We're called to go and invite. We're called to go and invest and make disciples of all nations. We're called to reach one more. And listen, until the whole world's filled with followers of Christ, our job's not done. We need to continue on. We need to invite and invest. We need to, to incorporate the big ask into our, into our lives. And here's the good news. We're not alone in this. Jesus says he'll be with us always. We will have his power. We will have his confidence. We will have his strength. We will have his, his wisdoms. We will have his, his teachings and really the example of that he led for with his life. Everything he did, he showed us how to invite and how to invest. In fact, if we're going to spend some time today, we're going to look back and we're going to go into Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. We'll spend most of our time there today. So if you want to just back up in the book of Matthew, we'll jump into there. And in this passage of scripture, Jesus is preaching. He's preaching to this crowd on the, on the mountainside. And this is really one of his most famous sermons. It's the most famous sermon that's written down. It's the, really the, the biggest section of, of teaching that Jesus has all together in the Bible. And again, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. And it starts with the Beatitudes where Jesus lays some foundations of, of how we need to act, how we need to have the attitude. And then right after this, it jumps in and says this. In verse 13 of Matthew chapter 5, it says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So here's Jesus, and he's talking to his disciples. Right? He's talking to this large crowd. He's talking to, to really the religious leaders at this day. At, at this point, all the people that are around him, there was a, it was a giant group of followers, and really there's somebody from almost every social status that was existent in that time. Right? And he's saying this. He's saying our lives make a difference. 
Our lives are a way for us to invite others. Our lives are a way for us to invest in others. Think about it this way. How many of you remember back in elementary school, the, the day of the week that everybody loved? Show and tell day, right? Show and tell day was the greatest time. And really, show and tell is exactly like it sounds. Like you show something and then you tell about it, right? This is one of the greatest things. It's pretty self-explanatory. We come in and we would bring our favorite toy. We bring our favorite stuffed animal. So today, what I want to do is I want to start off with a little bit of show and tell. So for first, I want to just show you my Jeep key. So this is my Jeep key. Now, the Jeep is our favorite vehicle. It's our most unreliable vehicle, but it's our favorite vehicle. It will often break down. It will often drive terribly. If you hit a bump in it, your back is just completely messed up for at least a week, right? But it's one of the most fun things that we have as a family because it's a way for us to all connect together. We'll drive around. We can only drive on country roads because it doesn't go above 50, so the highway's off limits. So, right, so we drive around some country roads. We talk. It's a way for Sarah and I to connect as well. It's a way for the kids and I to connect. So it's one of my favorite things. Another thing is this, is a, is a baseball, right? This baseball is one of my favorite things. Not because I'm really good at baseball. Obviously, I'm preaching and I'm a pastor of a church now. I didn't get anywhere because of baseball. But I love baseball because it's a way for me to connect with my son. It's a way for me to connect with Griffin. We can throw the ball around and it's just a way for him to open up and talk to me in different ways. Another one of my favorite things is, is this shirt here. Licking Valley Cheer Dad, because I love cheerleading. <laughs> no, because I love my daughter, right? So this represents a, a something my daughter and I connect over, right? We go every Sunday afternoon, we go watch Biddy League football and Licking Valley. It's for real, like it's already tackle in first and second grade. So Bud Berkeley's there cheering on the sidelines, right? So we're cheering her on as she cheers, which kind of is confusing to me. But it's a way for me to connect. It's one of my favorite things as well. Another one of my favorite things is this, uh, is this church key here. Right? This is the key that gets me into every door in this place. But why? It's not because it gets me into every door in this place. It's because it represents this church. Listen, this church is amazing. I love you guys. This is an amazing church, and I'm just honored to, to be called your pastor. But what I love about it is in. It's so fun to be around you, right? The church is a group of people, and each one of you represents that people, and it's amazing just to spend time with you. Even when we're not, even when I'm not preaching, we love to, if we're in town, we're going to be here, because like, this is our church. It's amazing, and we love it. These are some of my favorite things. These are the things that, that I want to show, and then they're the things I want to tell. One of my other things is my, this is my shoe. This is my trail running shoe. This is a, this is a shoe that gets me in the woods and, and can get me into some trouble sometimes. This is the shoe that I, I wear to run. But this is the shoe that I wear to mountain bike. So this to me represents shoulder injuries and all sorts of fun. But these are some of my favorite things. And this is what it is. This is what evangelism and outreach is. It's showing some of our favorite things and telling about them. It's showing some things that impact our life. It's showing that Jesus has impacted our life and then telling about it as well. That's what it is. That's what inviting and investing is all about. It's show and tell. It's show and tell. And here's why. Because your witness to others hinges on what others witness in you. It's more than just words. It's more than what we just talk about. But we have to show it as well. We have to show it with our lives. Because tell and tell doesn't work, right? It's show and tell. We have to, we have to show the love of Christ in our lives. How we treat people makes a difference. How we treat people and how we share the love of Christ is a part of our witness. It's a part of us inviting others. It's a part of us investing others. So think about it. When people see you, 
When people experience who you are, do they see the salt of the earth? Right? Are you being the light of the world to others? What do people witness in you? Are you investing in them? Are you inviting them by how you treat them and by how you treat others? Here's the truth I know, and it comes from the great theologian Michael Jackson. He says this, I always feel like somebody's watching me. And he's true. Understand this. Your life is on display. I don't care who you are. Your life is on display. Right? Somebody's watching you. Your children are watching you. Your spouse is watching you. Right? Your parents are watching you. Your, your siblings are watching you. They're watching you. They're looking at how you treat others. They're watching how you show the love of Christ. If you call yourself a Christian, if you call yourself a follower of Christ, they're watching. They want to see what that looks like. And the only way they can truly see is through you. Are you being a good example? Your neighbors are watching you. Your friends are watching you. Your coworkers are watching you. And understand this. The proximity of your life to those around you is no accident. It's no accident. God placed you there on purpose. God placed those people around you there. He placed you them around you as well on purpose. Because you may be the only Jesus they ever experienced. You may be the only Jesus they ever witnessed. Right? He placed you there to be the salt of the earth. To be the light of the world. To invest, to invite, and to witness. Right? To show and tell. Your witness to others hinges on what others witness in you. This is such a powerful statement. But the problem with this is that it's such a powerful statement. Because the truth is, if we're honest with ourselves, there's some things that others witness in us that just isn't good. Let's be honest. There's some things that, that come out of me sometimes that I don't want other people to see, that I don't want other people to witness. Right? There's some times that I'm a bit moody. I, I, I know you could never imagine it, but there's some times that, that I get angry or that I get upset easily. Right? There's some times that, that I'm short with people. There's some times where, where I get just a little bit angry, right? I'm still a work in progress. Listen, there's sometimes, some people have asked, hey, why don't we have life change bumper stickers? I'll tell you why. It's because of my driving, right? It's because my driving is not a good witness. Listen, I cut people off. I'm terrible. I don't always use turn signals. Sometimes I shake my fist at people. Sometimes I'm angry at them. I'll wave at them and get all mad. Sometimes I give them the feather because they're not worth the bird, right? Sometimes I do that. And that's just on my way to church. Sometimes my witness isn't good. There are seasons and there are times where if we're not careful, we can lose our saltiness. And we can become salty in a different way. Right? There are seasons and there's times where, where we can bring more darkness than we do light because of the way we, we perceive things, because we're negative about things and we're negative about the way we talk about things as well. There's times we do this and this is dangerous. This is so dangerous because understand this. If people don't like what they see in us, they'll never come see and see with us. We ruin our witness. We're wasting our show and tell. And so I know if my, my son was preschool, it's show and tell day, one day he forgot to bring his toy. He came back like devastated because he wasted his day of show and tell. For some of us, we're wasting our show and tell because of the way we're living our lives. Because we're, we're living without, we're not being the salt of the earth. Because we're not being the light of the world. And here's the danger of this. Salt without saltiness is like a Christian without grace. Right? Salt without saltiness is like a, a Christian without mercy. Salt without saltiness is like a Christian without love. It's like a Christian without truth. 
And a Christian without grace, a Christian without mercy, a Christian without love, a Christian without truth looks nothing like Jesus. Looks nothing like Jesus. And it's not inviting. It's not investing. It's not appealing at all. Some of us, for some of us, our saltiness is gone. And what we've done is we've allowed ourselves to become bitter. And we've been living in that bitterness. We've been living in that judgmental attitude, and it's ruining our witness. Again, this is what it says about saltiness. It says it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. When we lose our saltiness, we're missing out on our purpose as a Christian. We're missing out on, on what God's called us to do as a follower of Christ, and we're doing no good. And it's a scary place to be. And it happens. It happens in every church in the United States. In fact, the average church in the United States, less than 5% of the people have led somebody to Christ. Less than 5% have led somebody to Christ. And that's tough to hear. Less than 5% have been the salt of the earth. Less than 5% have been the light of the world. Less than 5% have invested in others and invited others. Listen, your witness to others hinges on what others witness in you. We aren't careful. And if we aren't careful, we're in the danger of losing our soulness and we're in danger of hiding our light. I think too many times what happens is we live for ourselves instead of living for others, instead of serving others. And when we live for ourselves, we miss out on being the light of the world. When Jesus tells us that we're the light of the world, it's actually it's an incredible compliment because that's who he is. He's saying that we're built in his image. He's saying that we're just like him. And it's something that we have to take serious. But so many times what happens is I think we take on and we imitate the darkness around us instead of chasing after who Jesus is and becoming the light of the world to others. And what people see in us is what they see in themselves already. So it's not appealing. They think, oh, I already got that. Or, oh, they're judgmental. They're more judgmental than me. Why would I want that? We're ruining. We're ruining our witness. What if, though, what if when people saw you, what if they saw the salt of the earth and the light of the world? What if they saw hope? What if they saw flavor? What if they saw light? Galatians 5.22 is known as the fruit of the Spirit, and it says this. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Listen, that's the difference, right? That's what others need to witness in us. That's what we all have to bring to show and tell, right? We all have that. Like, what if people actually knew us? What if they knew us for our love? What if they knew us for, for how we treated others, how we served others, right? What if people knew us for our joy and the fact that we are always happy, right? And it wasn't, it was more than just a happiness, but there was something deep down. There was something about us that, that was so different. What if people knew that? What if they saw that and saw that that joy came from the Lord, right? What if people knew us for our peace? What if we could say, you know what? I've been through the, all these struggles, but for some reason, I've always been at peace because I know that I'm not controlled. What if we could be the hope that others need? What if people knew us for that hope? What if people knew us for our patience? This is a tricky one. This one's a tough one. This one I should just keep moving on, right? But what if people knew us for our patience? Hey, what if people knew us for our, for our kindness? What if people knew us for, for our goodness? What if people knew us for our faithfulness? What if our yeses were actually yes? What if our noes were actually noes? Right? What if when we said yes, nobody had to send out the reminder text message, hey, are you coming? Because I'm not so sure. What if they just knew it? What if they said, you know, their yes means yes because they're faithful. Right? That's what it is all about. That's the difference that each and every one of us can experience, right? What if they knew us for our gentleness and our self-control? 
Right? If we were known for these things, guess what? Everybody would want to be around us. And everyone would want to be like us as well. And here's what's amazing. They could. Because that's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the gift that the Holy Spirit gives. That's the fruit that comes when we accept Jesus into our lives and allow His Holy Spirit to work in and through us. Because that's who Jesus is. And that's who we are in Him. What if others witnessed this in us? Your witness to others hinges on what others witness in you. So here's how to live this out. Here's how to live out and, and live the right witness. Here's how to, to win at show and tell. Here's how to invest and invite. It's real simple. Be the salt of the earth and be the light of the world. Right? Now we can go home. Wait. There's more to that though, right? But here's, here's what I want us to understand. This is what we're called to be. We're called to be the salt and we're called to be the light of the world. Now let's just jump into this though. Here's what Jesus says again in Matthew 5.13. He says you are the salt of the earth. He doesn't say, hey, you need to strive to be the salt of the earth. Hey, this is a process that you're going to become the salt of the earth. No, he says you are the salt of the earth. Right? This is who God already created us to be. This is how God made us already. So for us to be the salt, we just need to walk in that. And here's how we do that. To walk in that and to actually be the salt, we have to know our value. You have to know your value. To be the salt, you have to know that you're valued. See, when Jesus was talking about this, at this time, salt was actually a valued commodity. Right? It was considered a, as something precious. Right? It was something that the, during this time period, Roman soldiers would often use and sometimes were paid with salt. Right? You may have heard the phrase like, hey, that guy's worth his salt. Like This is where this comes from. right? This is, this is the meaning of it because salt was a valued commodity. But salt was something that, that had extreme amount of, of worth. And understand this, Jesus is saying this. He's saying that you are the salt of the earth. He's saying that you have an extreme amount of worth. He's saying that you are valued. He's saying that you are loved. So understand that and live that out. And for some of us, maybe you came in here today, you just felt like worthless. Maybe you felt like, man, I've got to go to church again, but I don't want to walk into that church because I just don't feel worthy. People are going to look at me. People are going to say stuff behind my back. People are going to think this and that because you know what? That's my past, all that. Understand this, that's a lie straight from Satan. Those are lies that Satan may have used somebody to speak over you that they had no business telling you your worth because the only person that can tell you your worth in the first place is your creator. And God says that you are valued. You have value. You are the salt of the earth. He values so much that he sent his son to live a perfect life, die on a cross to pay the ultimate penalty for you and was risen again so that he could be connected to you. That's how much he loves you and that's how much your value. You're the salt of the earth, so know your value. Maybe for you, maybe this week, maybe you need to begin your days by just speaking value of yourself. Maybe you just need to go back to this and understand and say, I am the salt of the earth. It's who Jesus said I was. It's not who I'm becoming. It's not what I need to strive to be. It's who I am. Okay, start your week off. Start your days off by knowing your value so that you can be the salt of the earth. Another way to become the salt of the earth is to preserve yourself from decay. If you look at what salt does, salt, what's it do? It preserves and it protects from decay, right? It preserves the original flavor. So for us to preserve ourselves from decay, we need to understand who God told us that we are in the first place. And then we need to watch after and preserve that from everything else. We need to watch after that and protect us from moving into a source of decay or rot, right? Preserve yourself from decay. We need to preserve God's truth in our life. We need to preserve God's love in our life. We need to watch after ourselves and guard ourselves from the things that can lead us astray. Right? We need to guard our hearts. That's why it says in Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart 
for everything you do flows from it. Listen, are you guarding your heart? Are you preserving yourself? Are you protecting yourself from decay? And think about it. What are you allowing in your life? What are the influences that are you allowing in your life? What are the, what are the websites that you're going to? Right? What are the movies that you're watching? What are the words that you're allowed spoken to you? What are the words that you're taking in and you're allowing them to become truth in your life? Are you going back to what God said? Are you going back to the Bible? Or are you letting other things influence you? When people witness you, what do they witness? Do they witness God's truth preserved? Or do they witness rot and decay? Preserve yourself from decay. Because when we do this, we have influence on those around us. Also be the salt of the earth. We need to add flavor. If you look at salt, salt adds flavor. So to be the salt of the earth, let's add a little flavor to our lives. Let's add a little flavor to others. Listen, have a little fun in your life, right? It's okay to laugh. It's okay to get others to laugh. It's okay to, to laugh at yourself. It's okay to laugh with others around, right? It's okay to have some fun. It's okay to be filled with joy. In fact, as Christians, we should be the most flavorful people. We should be people that are known to be full of life. We should be people that are known to be, to be full of zest, just to, to have that overflowing in us. Paul says it this way in his letter to the Romans in Romans 15, 13. He says, may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, when something overflows, it spills onto what's ever around it, right? And it adds flavor to whatever is around it. Listen, for us to be the salt of the earth, we need to overflow with the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to overflow with hope, right? We need to overflow with joy. We need to overflow with peace. Here's what I believe. I believe Christians should be the most contagious people around. We should just, we should just almost just rub off and ooze onto other people and they should be like us. They should want to be like us. We should overflow so much that people around us just can't help but to have joy as well. Just can't help but to have peace as well. Just can't help but to all of a sudden walk away. Man, you know what? I'm hopeful for this situation because something, something transferred over, right? We need to add flavor to others, right? Maybe for you this week, maybe for you just start off your day and just ask God, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can overflow in hope. God, I'm going to start this day off, but I want to start off with, with you just filling me up so that I can overflow in peace, so that I can overflow in joy. I want to challenge you. Say that prayer and then receive it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? Be the salt. Be the salt of the earth. And then be the light of the world. Again, Matthew 5.14 says, You are the light of the world. Much like the salt is not saying that we strive to be the light. He's already saying that's who we are. He's already saying that's a part of how we created you to be. And again, this is such an incredible compliment because this is who Jesus was. And here's what light does. Light illuminates and directs. And it destroys darkness. Listen, you are the light of the world. And you should illuminate and direct every room you walk into. And you should destroy the darkness there. So be the light of the world. Here's how we do it. To be the light of the world actually means we have to go public at some point. It means that we have to let people know our faith. We have to let people know about our relationship with Jesus. We need to share who Jesus is to you. We need to share what God's love means to us, right? We need to share our experience. Listen, nobody can ever argue with your experience. So if you've experienced Jesus, share it. For you to be the light, share it. Go public with it. 
Verse 15 again says, Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. So go public. Share your experience with Jesus. One of the best ways to do this is baptism. This is what baptism is. It's an outward expression of an inward commitment. Right? It's a public declaration that we made a commitment to follow Jesus. That we made a, the declaration that He's our Lord and Savior of our life. And it's a celebration of that. Right? So go public with it. If you've never been baptized, listen, if you've been here and you call yourself a follower of Christ and you've never been baptized, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to take that step. Take that step of baptism. You can actually just simply email me. It's uh, Corbin at MyLifeChangeChurch.com. It's in the bulletin, but email me if you want to do that. We will set it up and make it happen. We will fill this baptism up and we'll make it happen so that you can go public. It's a way to become the light of the world. Another way is to, to actually invite and invest and put the invite part into action. Listen, again, September 15th, we're going to have a giant party at Weathervane. It's going to be amazing. It's our five-year, one big service. This is the perfect time to invite somebody. I say, hey, my church is turning five. They only do that once, so you should come with me, right? It's an easy, it's an easy invite, so invite somebody. Bring somebody with you, right? Bring somebody with you and tell them, hey, there's a picnic afterwards. Listen, we're going to make it fun. It will be a blast. Invite somebody with you. Put your lamp on its stand. If you're in a life group, invite somebody to the life group because you know what? That's where real relationships happen. That's where people really can find out the real you. So invite somebody. Be a part of it. Jump in and go public. Understand this. Your faith is personal, but it was never meant to be private. So go public. To be the light of the world, go public. And then also, to be the light of the world, it starts with your home. It starts with your home. Be the best example of a follower of Christ in your home. Live out your faith in your home. Listen, you're a witness at home should be the greatest place of your witness. Right? To be the light of the world means you have to give light to your own home. Verse 15, it says, and it gives light to everyone in its house. It starts in your house. It starts in your home. Investing and inviting evangelism and outreach. It starts in your home. Listen, for me, my first line of ministry at Life Change Church is my family. Right? My first line is my wife. The first line of my ministry is my daughter, Berkeley. My son, Griffin. There's reasons I do certain things. Like every Sunday, what, I go to, I go to the football fields because I love video league football and I love cheerleading. No, it's because I love my daughter and because she's the first line of my ministry, right? I'm coaching my son's Griffin's fall ball team. Is it because I love to hang out with six, seven, eight year olds playing baseballs and throwing at each other's heads? No, listen, it makes me want to pull my hair out, but I love my son. And it's the first line of my ministry. On my calendar each week, I mark a section. I mark a, I mark a date where I can spend time with my wife. Right, we try to have a lunch date once a week. It has to get on my calendar. Why? Because it's my first line of ministry. Jesus has called us all to be the light of the world, but it starts with our house. It starts with our home. So listen, maybe for you, maybe your witness needs to improve at your home. Maybe you need to treat your husband better. Maybe you need to show them more grace, show them more mercy, show them more love. Maybe you need to treat your wife better, husbands. Maybe you need to show them more grace, more love, and mercy. Maybe you need to, to show a little more truth and mercy to your kids as well. Listen, it starts in your home. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. Watch how you, how you act. Watch how you react as well. Be the light of your home. And to be the light of the world, you also have to give the glory back to God. Right? Give God the credit. Listen, when it comes to evangelism, when it comes to outreach, when it comes to investing and inviting, there's no scoreboard. 
Right? There's no personal scoreboard. There's no tally. Man, I've read this many people to Jesus. I've had this many people come to church with me because I'm awesome. No, if you're doing that, trust me, you're doing it wrong. The credit has to go back to God. The glory has to be given back to God. Again, verse 16, it says in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds. So yes, you're doing good deeds and people are going to see them, right? Again, we should be contagious. People should see them. But it goes on and says, people may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I want people to see your good deeds, but it's not to get a pat on the back and say, man, you're such a good Christian. I wish I could be like you someday. No, it's to say, man, God's awesome. I want to follow Him. I want a relationship with Him. When we do it for God, it opens up doors. Good deeds done to glorify God create goodwill, which opens the door for the good news. So I want to challenge you. Be the salt and be the light of the world. Because your witness to others hinges on what others witness in you. If you would right now, as we close, put out your connection card in the seat back in front of you or behind you. And uh, what we want to do is we just want to give you an opportunity to respond. Maybe you're here today, and maybe for you, maybe you've never responded to that big question. Maybe you never responded to the question of the fact that Jesus lived a perfect life, died on a cross just for you, so that you could have a relationship with God. Maybe you've never made that commitment, or maybe you did, but you walked away. What I want to do is I want to just give you that opportunity. So if you're here today and you've never done that, or you did, but you walked away, I want to give you the opportunity to make a commitment to follow Christ. And what you can do is you can simply check mark that box that says, I want to make a commitment to follow Christ. Maybe you're here today, and maybe for you, maybe God's speaking to you. Maybe he's saying, you know what, it's time to be the salt of the earth. Maybe you've lost your saltiness, and he's saying, you know, it's time to, to step it up and be the salt of the earth. Maybe for you, there's some things in your life that, that you need to preserve and protect from decay. Maybe you just need to add some joy to your life as well. So I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you, if that's you, write that down. Maybe for you, maybe he's, talking to you, he's telling you to be the light of the world. Maybe it starts in your home. Maybe what your, what your family, what your home witnesses is nothing like Jesus. And it's time to step it up. Maybe for you, it's time to go public. And maybe share and invite somebody. Whatever it is, I want to challenge you to write that down. What we're going to do is we're going to end a little bit differently. So I want to have everybody stand up right now. And not only can you fill out the connection cards, but we've got some reminders up here as well. We've got some flashlights. We've got some salt. And what we want you to do is if you're here today, maybe God's telling you, you know what? It's time to step up and be the salt of the earth. I want you just to pick up a salt packet, put it on your dashboard at your car, put it somewhere where you remember it. So when you wake up, you can look at it and say, you know what? I'm the salt of the earth. I have value. Every time you look at this, you can say, you know what? I have value because salt is a commodity. Maybe for you, God's asking you to be the light of the world. And it's time to, to share and to be the light of the world. It's time to go public. It's, it's time to be the light of the world in your family. Listen. And this little flashlight, you can put it on your keychain as a reminder. That's who you are. Not what you're striving to be, but it's who you are and what God created you to be. So as we sing and start right now, I would invite you to, to come up. You can grab one or the other or both and use it as a reminder as you go through this weekend on. Now, who God called us to be. And then Daryl will be up in just a moment to explain that stuff. So as they sing, come forward and grab one. Thank you for listening to the Life Change Church Podcast. If you were here today and you were listening and you made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to hear about it. Or maybe you're here and you're listening and that God is asking you 
to make the next step with whatever that it is in your life. We would love to hear about it and partner up with you. If you would, go to www.mylifechangechurch.com and under the media section, please fill out the contact us information and let us know if you made a decision to follow Christ. Let us know what God is asking of you. And if you need prayer, we would love to partner up with you in prayer as well. We hope that you enjoyed the podcast and that it both encouraged and challenged you. Have a great week.